You're listening to I'll Have What She's Podcasting, a film and pop culture podcast hosted by Louise Oliver and Jackie Farmer, two tired feminist millennials giving you opinions you didn't ask for about the content they love. So let's tell the people who, the people by, people I mean like, you know, our friends who will tune in out of courtesy uh, to this first episode. (laughs) What's going on? Hi, friends. Hello, friends. We've started a podcast, and it's called I'll Have What She's Podcasting, which Jackie came up with. I did it. You did it. <laughs> Why are we doing it? We're doing it because, um, well, in my head, we're doing it because quite often when we're together, we end up accidentally, not, not so accidentally, deep diving into films that we both like. Mm-hmm. It's always quite unpredictable, the area that we're going to, hone in on yep Um, but it's always entertaining at least for us exactly yeah I feel like that's where I'm at with it I think it's really fun to talk about films with you and I like to talk about films in a way that most other people do not you're like the one good friend I have that is on the same wavelength as me in terms of enjoying long-winded and detailed discussions about why we like the stuff we like so yeah and maybe our mums would like it too this is their chance I think my mum's probably gonna be like oh god don't you have a degree like I think she's gonna be like that's nice your little your little film podcast <laughs> uh, your mum will like it though your mum will your mum will be pro- all about it she'll definitely like this one she likes Star Wars um Star Wars, that's a very good point to bring up what we're going to talk about on this, the first episode of our podcast, This Little Labour of Love. Um, We're doing A New Hope, uh, the first instalment in the Star Wars franchise, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Why did we choose that again? Um, I believe, I I think officially you chose it. Well, officially we both chose it. Mm, It's all very democratic here. Yes, the idea, it's, it's our show. But you, it was your idea to do the trilogy. I think there's partly, it's, it's definitely something that we both really like and have done quite a formative group of films for both of us. Maybe one of the first things that we had in common as friends. Mm-hmm. I think it was an early bonder yep. for us. Yeah, so I do remember that. Fitting. Yeah, it also just felt like in chatting about what the podcast is going to be, I know it's going to be heavy on the sci-fi as time goes on because we do like that. And Star Wars for me just felt like it feels like such a a formative moment for me in terms of like, I saw them so young and they're just very in my memory as the thing that represents nostalgia and all that was good about life when I was kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Do you remember the first time you saw them? Do you remember seeing them? So my my earliest memories are, I definitely didn't see them in order. My earliest memories of Star Wars were watching Return of the Jedi over and over and over again. To the point when I was, I have a vivid memory of being four and it was on our video, our VCR. And I had my brother who was six and could read. I would make him come into the, he could read. And I (laughs) I could read some words, but I couldn't read fast enough to read the subtitles. Um, so if I was watching it and David wasn't in the room for any reason, I would ask him, sure, very politely, to come through and read me what Jabba was saying, even though I knew the gist of it by that point. Oh, that's really sweet. So that was one of, yeah, it's one of my earliest memories of it. Um, that's really lovely. <laughs> and I was I was obsessed with Luke Skywalker. Like, definitely, he is the best. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I'm an early Luke Skywalker stan, and I would defend him to the death, as I'm sure most people would. Do you know, I I feel that. Like, I find that, I think that appears somewhere in my notes, like, re-watching it. Like, I feel like Luke comes under a lot of, like, gets a lot of flack, I think. But actually, re-watching A New Hope, which, by the way, I should point out, was the first time I'd done in a long time, because I had it in my head that New Hope was the weakest, so whenever I do a rewatch, I kind of jump in at Jedi. So mm-hmm. it's been a really long time before before watching it for this purpose that I had seen A New Hope. And actually, he's a little whiny at the top, but you know, what young farm boy who wants a better life for himself isn't? He is, and you know what? He is respectful. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, there, there are moments in the film where Han Solo um, is, is really throwing his weight around and really has an issue with Leia's authority. Mm-hmm. Because there's and there was there was a line in it that I had never clocked before, where he says like just like after they've got out the trash compactor, mm-hmm. he says if we can avoid following more female advice, we might just get out of here. Yeah, and she just doesn't take it, and just like I don't know, basically, who do you think you are? And Luke just is like gives him a bit of a look about. Like, it felt like Luke was just letting her let him have it. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely like motivated by wanting to impress Leia, but I feel like that is so surface level on the script. Like it's so just like, oh, you kind of, you you think she's pretty and this is going to be storytelling 101 for uh, our rendering of this young guy. Um, But yeah, it never like, it never descends into sort of anything creepy. He's very pure look generally. Yeah. I think being a Luke Skywalker stan is okay. Yeah, and he, you know, I feel like I, I, I think I feel like he also could have written Luke Skywalker to be really taken by like this like suave, cocky space cowboy who's very who's very alpha, like very manly, very you know. I, the only person I take orders from is me, and I think that a lot of teenage boys might really be taken in by that. And be like, yeah, he's cool. I want to be like him, but Luke doesn't do that. No, he's aware of him as a sort of potential threat, though. Because what what is it he says when they're on? Millennium Falcon, and he sort of checks in with him, like so. Like, what yeah. do you think of her? <laughs> it's like I don't want anything to do with her, or some something, and it looks like good, good. You get a little, yeah, you get a little sideways like glance of like, well, I'm in there. So it's almost like I've always read yeah. that scene as a sort of like, well, I couldn't compete, so I'm glad to know that you're not interested. <laughs> Yeah. No, but then there is like the little line after that where Han's like, but I don't know. I mean, do you think like a princess like her and a guy like me? looks like, no. Yeah, instant shade. <laughs> no. You're punching me. You're punching. He's a hottie though. He is a hottie. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing, I think my earliest memory is, I think with my family, the Star Wars movie, sorry, I'm jumping back a little bit, when they did the cinematic re-release in 1997. Oh yeah, I remember those. Yeah, so I think I have a very, very strong memory of them then. So that would have been like, I would have been 12. Yeah, I'd have been 11, so. And I have this really fond memory of that moment because my we, we all went to see them together as a family, me, my mum and dad and my brother, and that just never happened. We just didn't do that. Like, going to the cinema was just not something, you know, we didn't do much as a family unit often because my dad was away a lot for work and stuff like that so we're going to the cinema all together to see these movies felt like a bit of an event oh that's lovely i remember my dad being quite excited about it so i had this that's so they're very like there's this fondness for them that's sort of been really kind of deeply instilled in me from that moment and then i had them on vhs and i yeah same as you just watched them over and over and over again i have a fondness for star wars 
and a new hope. I enjoyed it so much. I had a fun time doing the watch for the notes. I had a real uh, fun time. So I would say particularly the first half, more so than the second half. Um, I found, I don't know if some stands might come after me for saying this, but some, the battle scenes could have been shorter for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I like things to be a little more character driven. Yeah. I'm, I'm more about the dialogue. So I'm going to go from the very beginning of the things I noticed yeah, from yeah, the very yeah. start. Yeah. And I think, like, one of the things I have at the top of my notes is Leia is fucking brave. She's fucking brave. She's fucking brave. Which I knew. We know that. But, like, right from the get-go, the thing kind of opens with Leia. Like, it's, like, she's our, she's the first hero figure we're introduced to. And she's this teeny tiny little thing. She's so small and so young and so beautiful. And she's, like, she's royalty, but she's essentially out in the field. Like, she's out out on an espionage mission of sorts to get these plans like she's out there she is running yeah. the risk and i was quite i thought that was pretty badass yeah um, she's she's yeah she's doing dirty work she's doing the dirty work in a way like she's, i guess she, can, they wouldn't make her yeah and it's 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 like something i noticed really like in a way i suppose that i haven't noticed before because i guess when i was younger i wasn't looking for that because i was still programmed by the patriarchy at that point <laughs> Um, I still am a little bit. We're all still a little bit programmed by the patriarchy, but who, it's is very, it? who is it? And we'll come on to that, I'm sure, in more detail when we return to Han Solo being a hottie. Um, I feel like this will become a theme of our of our entire podcast. And <laughs> I think so. The ways that we fail and the ways that we succeed and how that's just life. Yeah. And how Harrison Ford just makes it all a bit harder. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Does. So yeah, Leah, Leah is fucking brave is at the top of my notes. Um, to insert in there, um, just to segue, my fifth note I have is something I learned from her book, mm. uh, The Princess Diarist, which is, I've written, Carrie Fisher was obsessed with lip gloss when making this and it shows. I love that you've done your homework. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she's got a good look. It's good. I like it. It's got very early 2000 vibes for me with the, the with the lip gloss and the dark eyeliner around the whole eye mm-hmm. like like you've drawn a circle with your coal pencil which uh, yeah. was blazing a trail for early 2000s looks way before the early 2000s so but she was yes. a teenager i'm very glad they didn't put her in hipster jeans i'm very glad yes, too. That too. <laughs> it's a much more of a halloween costume possibility for everybody <laughs> and she's just great she's um darth has a great entrance he's a good entrance very iconic yeah very category is i'm a fascist I'm here to fuck up your shit. Yeah, it was like, a, I actually paused it because I've never really figured out what he wears. And it's like a cloak on top of another cloak on top of very tight trousers and boots. Quite huge. fascist. It is quite fascist and not hugely practical, I would have thought. Yeah, what does he need two cloaks for? Exactly. He enters and it's very dramatic, but then he kind of stops. I don't know if you noticed this. He stops and he puts his hands on his hips and he kind of, he looks down at the stormtroopers <laughs> in a sort of disappointed <laughs> mum kind of way, like looking around the room. <laughs> yeah. You have a tidy room. Really, like, sort of like bends one knee and then like turns, like pivots a bit and bends the other one. Yeah, it's quite camp. I feel like they spent too much time worrying about the look and making sure that they had a cool voice. That mm. um, they didn't spend too much time directing the man in the actual suit to be slightly more <laughs> intimidating. 
you know, he could have, I feel like his physicality needs a little bit more, needs, it needs an injection of fascism because it's just a little, David Price's physicality is just a tidy bit um, soft. <laughs> I don't could know. Be. I don't know. It's also possible that he's, like you say, weighed down by two cloaks and, uh, and that costume doesn't look easy to move in. Yeah, and the cloaks are obscuring his view of the fallen. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some, I'm sure it'll tell you somewhere online whether or not David Price could even see. Um, David Price, for those who don't know who are listening, I, I presume anyone who's listening this will know this, is the man, the, the actor physically in the suit on the set. So not James Earl Jones, who does the voice of Darth Vader. Did David Price die quite recently? Yeah, he did. He died on the 28th of November, 2020. Oh, that's a shame. He was a bodybuilder and a weightlifter. Was well, I mean, he is he is stacked. You can tell he's he's um he's built under all those cloaks. Oh yeah, sure. It's just he just has a slight like huffy physicality to him. I feel yeah. like he just needed to. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like somebody should have just directed him a little bit. But you know, again, I'm nitpicking. <laughs> and I just it just goes to show, you know, fascists can look like anybody. That is true. They they walk among us. They don't need cloaks to identify themselves. So there's lots of casual stormtroopers. The Alderanians, I'm assuming they're Alderanians, the other guys with guns who are trying to protect the Tontive when they board. So I guess they're, what, it's like a diplomatic vessel, isn't it? I didn't ever notice this before, but Princess Leia refers to being in the Senate of the the Imperial Senate. She does. And... Because my understanding is that the pre-Empire governing model of the, of the galaxy that the world exists in, the Star Wars world exists in, is that each each planet has its Senate member that they send and they debate, you know, like America. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> increasingly more like America <laughs> with, the, uh, yeah. with the fascism. Um, oh. Yes, my understanding, <laughs> what we got there already. Uh, my understanding is that yeah, she is. She sits on the Senate for Alderaan, and that the ship that she's on at the start of the film is a diplomatic ship, and that's the cover when they're boarded. They're boarded. They're like, no, no, we're just like going about our democratic business. Mm-hmm. Leave us alone, please, fascists. <laughs> which you know, which comes back to her being brave. Yeah, and then Darth Vader knows that he would actually, under the current galactic law, I guess, get into trouble because does he not have like his commander send a distress signal? And it was almost kind of like, oh, everybody on board was killed. Yeah. So they, they wouldn't necessarily know. I'd say that to be like, they wouldn't necessarily know that they, that they had the princess. Yes. Because I don't think he knows, like, because I feel like, I feel like they're deliberately heading towards Tatooine. Are they not? Mm-hmm. When they're boarded. Like... Yeah, because is she not there to get, is she not actually going to fetch Obi-Wan? I think so. Yeah, I think she's on her way to Tatooine. And Darth Vader intercepts her. But he can't know that. I don't think he knows that she's going to Tatooine. No, they only go to ta- they only know to go to Tatooine because that's where the escape pod went. Yes, exactly. That doesn't have anything in it, so they just let it go. <laughs> yeah. You feel sure like can. you feel like it, you know if you were part of a fascist regime that you might be a wee bit more thorough about that. Like, oh, there's an escape pod being jettisoned just at the moment that we've boarded this ship. Maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe we should check that. No, out. But do they not? Yeah, but is that do they not do that because they not is that not what brings them there because they're like oh we have to go to Tatooine because 
well there's like, there's no life someone's like there's no life signs on the escape pods but she must have hid the plans in there yeah so go that's get darth it. vader it's darth vader that, that like says that because there's like oh, that okay. scene there's that scene before where they get the two going ah just let it go and um and then yeah they go and explain oh no no um yeah there wasn't it there was a pod jettisoned from the ship but you know there was nothing on it and darth is like yeah let's go check because you know yeah maybe have a look <laughs> yeah so that takes us to Tatooine with um, R2-D2 and C-3PO. R2-D2's in an abusive relationship. I've written that down. I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like he's in an abusive relationship with C-3PO. I've written, um, I've taken a different tack. I've just written that the droids are adorable. <laughs> I mean, they are. R2-D2 is definitely adorable, but C-3PO, like, he is dishing it out to R2. Like, he's... He's just like he's just he begging him all the time and giving him giving him grief. He is, although I do feel like R two has like quite an unflappable sense of self esteem. <laughs> we could all learn a thing or two from R two. <laughs> yeah, and I I feel like maybe like you know they just have they have their dynamic and you know we don't know what goes on. I don't know. I sound I sound, I don't. I'm not trying to be a gaslighter apologist. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, no, you've got a point. Like, life. yeah, exactly. And other people's relationships are like no one's business but their own. I suppose he just like he just sent up a couple of red flags for me. Um, but you know, any could, lines in particular? Um, just, just, just general, general demeanor. Just like he's always putting R two down. I mean, I get the, I get he's he's giving me lots of like I'm I'm actually really insecure energy. So maybe that's it. But I feel like he is just like constantly telling R two he's wrong or that they shouldn't be going and doing this and that. He's a pest. I'm just like, these are red flags. I feel like these are red flags, but you know. No, I think that's a good argument. I think there could also be like an element of internalized classism. Oh yeah. He's very into like, you know, but the ma- you know, just do what the master tells you, you own everything. That's, I'd never thought about that. I never thought about class dynamics amongst uh, yeah, so Star maybe, Wars droids. Yeah, so maybe he's, <laughs> he's like being like, Archie, you need to up your game and be polite and like, just do what you're told because... Otherwise, you're going to get scrapped. Like you might think it's it could be tough love. It could, it could be, be his way of tough love, and he just he doesn't know that R two has his mission. It could also him. be like he doesn't believe him. It could also be like super ableist because C three PO speaks like over three thousand languages or dialects, and and R two doesn't. So like C three PO C three PO can be understood by anyone uh, who's around, whereas R two less so. Although I think Luke understands him. Does Luke not understand R two? Seems to. I don't know. It's a stretch. I think maybe there's just some some I have I have some kind of issue with C three PO. I think that we'll maybe unpack that as we go. Okay. Let's see how we get on. Yeah. And C three PO unit sounds like hard work. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably uh, more. I feel like you nailed it. So we can ask them when they get. When I'm sure. I'm sure on. some people will have opinions about this. Uh, sure so speaking of angst, Luke wants to speed up the harvest, teleport off the rock. He's having a whole moment. He doesn't want to be there for the harvest. I feel for Luke. I feel for him. Yeah. You know, he's what nineteen. Yeah, he wants to go. What's the academy he wants to go to? Is that like the Rebellion Academy? <laughs> I feel like the academy is some sort of flight academy. I think it's a, a pilot thing mm-hmm. because. It's then it's mentioned later in the movie that his father, who's that I don't know, was a probably great matter. probably doesn't matter. No, he's, a, he's, he's yeah. It's not like you know an absent father ever becomes a plot point for young men on a journey stories. It's like that's never really a thing, is it? You get over that <laughs> <pretty> quickly. 
So I think the academy is where you go to learn to fly fighter jets or TIE fighters or whatever the fuck. I think that's what it is. And I'm, I'm sure we could Google it to confirm, but that is my theory. Yeah. You know when um, later when um, he's about to get in his X-Wing to go and blow up the Death Star, hashtag spoilers, <laughs> like he bumps into his pal. Yes. Like Oh, damn, should Biggs. I wrote it down? Yeah, yeah, it's Biggs. You're right. Oh, good. Um, so he's, and then Biggs says to him, oh, like, we knew we would get you out here or something. And it was like, and then there's Aunt Veru says to Uncle Owen when Luke's been belly aching about it, she's like, oh, all, most of his friends have already gone. Yeah. So I thought that was like, a, all right, that's where they went. They went, yeah, I think you're right. I think they went to learn how to fly. But then, but it's like, do the rebellion have like a graduate scheme you can apply for? <laughs> like, like, well, how does that, how do you, yeah, how do you get, would, would the empire not see that as like having like raft training and then absconding to the terrorists? Yeah, here's my, here's my thinking on that. I feel like the academy is like somewhere you go to learn to fly machines or whatever. I guess because people fly for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, live in a- all, all, all kinds of reasons. So it's not like an official join the rebel training re- rebel you know join the rebel alliance training program because that would be fun fun out really quickly and i think in the yeah. current political climate of the galaxy that would be unwise to officially advertise there's probably not like a massively official way to join the rebel alliance kind of like in nazi germany like you're just it's not going to be like on craigslist or whatever the equivalent <laughs> you know like you can't like yeah. just join um, in a very like public facing way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm falling down another slightly weird. Yeah, it's not going to be like a rebellion union yeah. that you can go to for the, yeah. their Friday night cheesy pop. Exactly. I feel like it's going to be a bit more clandestine, you know, for safety. Yeah. So I reckon that's what the academy is. So yeah, I feel for him. And they, he works on a moisture farm. I guess that's it's very dry, isn't very it? Very dry. Yeah. So that's if, you, if they need something. I could see that being like not fun. Like I get, I get it. He wants to like. How do you harvest moisture? I. It's an excellent question. <laughs> I love what she's podcasting, delving into issues that we know you want to know. I mean, I feel like it's something we probably in our own galaxy currently will probably should look into and learn how to do, because I feel like it's going to be fucking dry as Tatooine here, you know, at some point. So, you know, I'm, you know, yeah. I feel like, I feel like they're tapping into something relevant yeah, to all of our questions, <laughs> to all of our interests. But yeah, how much do Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen know? Like, they know, I think they know quite a lot because, so we meet Uncle, we, we meet them both in episode two, because when Anakin goes back to find his mum and goes to like the guy who used to like own them, and he said he sold her to this moisture farmer or something um or like a merchant or something and his son is owen okay i so and yes. but his mum was like taken by the sand people afterwards so he must have been he was there as a jedi mm-hmm. was he was he a, he was a fully fledged jedi by that point i can't remember i have like i think i've only seen each of the prequels like once I'm pretty I'm pretty bad for being one of those people who just would I, I think I will return to them though in this lockdown yeah. moment that we are experiencing because you know what else am I doing um exactly. I just felt very I was just so mad at the time <laughs> so like so many people but I feel yeah. like with the the maturity that years yeah, so, bring <laughs> I could go back to I it think, and watch yeah. it 
I think sometimes the unpopular thing to do with Star Wars is just to see it as like a, a fun space romp. Which it is. And that's Which is. Fine. And so, you know, I just you know, it's not saying I like loved every second of it, but like bits of it were bits of it were cool. And I thought that they got a little bit better as they went on. I thought the second I well no, I thought the second one was the best one. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, just in terms of you kind of you know, You've got your Palpatine coming into it. You've got your Anakin and Padme and what Obi-Wan gets up to. And it's the most character development. Or it's when the char- character development that's really relevant to the original trilogy starts to kick in because, I mean, you know, did we really need Anakin as a wee, as a wee boy in the first place? I don't think we did. Probably not, no. I, I mean, I'll go back just for Ewan McGregor as a young Obi-Wan. I'll happily yeah. revisit for that experience again. Um, um, okay, how do so, we go into that? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Aunt so Beru Orden, and Uncle Owen. Orden yeah. Beru, yeah. So they know they know that he that Anakin was a Jedi. He I don't know if they know he's bad, but they definitely know he like died. I feel like they, because... yeah, I feel like they must know that some shit went down because yeah. they have the kids or one of them. Yeah, like Obi Wan's turned up, being like, yeah. "You need to raise this child and don't tell anyone." Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'll be around. You know, yeah, <laughs> in a cave. Like, yeah, and they're just like, "Don't talk to him. He's crazy." Yeah, yeah. I'll be the crazy old man it's that lives in the cave. I don't, yeah, I don't mean to use ableist language. No, but, no, yeah, he he is. They, they refer to him as like a crazy old man who lives in a cave, in in, in so many words. Um, and yeah, yeah, but also I feel like if if he arrived in kind, of, and I feel like it all happened really quickly. I feel like there was like a a pretty, from what I remember, a pretty fast move to get the kids separated and away from Anakin slash Darth and mm-hmm. hidden. So it must have been like, pretty- yeah, so if he, if he was just killed in battle, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was kind of like, it must have been kind of frantic and a little like, right, okay, guys, you know, you now have this kid and yes, there's a sister. You don't know where she is. Just don't, let's not talk about it. Just here's the narrative. Yeah. Let's run with that. I'm going to go hide for 19 years. Yeah, I'm going to change you know? my first name, but not my last name, just so that people can find me if they really need to. Yeah, <laughs> just in case, you know, I need to be accessible <laughs> or bills and post or whatever. Um, <laughs> Need to make sure I can still vote. <laughs> Not that that will turn out to matter as uh, the uh, empire gains control, but hey ho. Anyway, I think we're digressing. I think, yeah. Okay, so what have I written down here? Why is C3PO driving? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why is he driving? Yeah, so they're on their way to find Ben. So, like, Luke has discovered the message from Leia in R2D2. He comes to the, the realization that there's a Kenobi in the neighborhood. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe this can all be. Um, maybe he knows him. Maybe he knows him, yeah. Uh, so then it cuts to him out on his little speeder. And for some reason, C-3PO is driving it. And he's like, go faster. And I'm like, why? It's not important to the overall like academic discussion of this movie. But I was just like, why? It's mentioned several times that Luke is a fantastic pilot. It's yeah, his speeder. It's just I don't understand it's that it. Classism. Yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe he's having the help drive his, his speeder. Maybe, maybe Luke isn't the perfect golden boy that we think he is. Maybe he's got some issues. Or maybe it's like he's his issues with class are sort of like because he is a young farm boy on this outer rim planet. That's just like because I feel like Tatooine is like it's like the space equivalent of some forgotten like miners' town or forgotten farm town in the middle of middle America or something like that. Like it's. It's forgotten and left to 
just be you know yeah like Smallville so yeah I feel like Luke could go either way I think I, re- I think I made a note like Luke's politics question mark because he could have gone either way he could have been like radicalized to want to join the Empire or yeah like end up with the Rebel Alliance so yeah maybe he's just like if I make C-3PO drive then maybe it'll give me a feeling of I have status I don't know or maybe it's just bad writing it's possible it's the latter um, oh yeah it could just be like to uh, give him something to do before they even discover the message from Princess Leia, like three people was like blabbing about being a rebellion droid in like the first three minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Luke gives him his wee bath and then he starts talking about how he's a rebellion droid, but he doesn't know who Leia is. Yeah. Like, oh, she seemed important. I'm getting yeah, I got I seen her is, around. This is this is where I get like really confused about well not confused because it's like this is where the prequels confuse us in the rewatching of this movie because what's the what the prequels established was that C3PO and R2D2 were running around like mm-hmm. in the thick of it like they know they know some shit they know everything yeah speedy so okay so like in, in actual fact what we're talking about here is a script that was written 30 years prior to the information that is coming in the prequels so I think that's the problem but yeah he is blabbing away about it like it's yeah, because ah, cause no, at no point is three people like, oh, because it was your pal, Ben Kenobi, that built me, actually. Yeah, like, there's key pieces of information that yeah. he's... Like, he has some of it, but, like... Oh, is that your dad? <laughs> wow, I know him. I know him. <laughs> yeah, it, it got weird. Yeah, uh, last time I saw him, it was uh, it was weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird I forgot that. That was yeah. pretty scary. Do, do you guys speak? <laughs> like, like, I don't... See, how is he... <laughs> Yeah, it's all very confusing. We're like brothers, man. I mean, you know, this is like C three PO is full of like random chat about the rebellion. Like he talk about the most recent episode of Drag Race or something like that. Like it's water cooler chat. And then Obi Wan, when we meet him, he's kind of the same. He's just like, oh yeah, that name. Haven't heard that from while for a while. You know, he's yeah. like he's super casual. I don't know yeah. if it's a tactic. I don't. I don't remember any droids. <laughs> yeah. Not mine. Yeah, he's, he's, he's blessed in a way about the old republic and just like ignoring R2. R2's like, hey guy. He's like, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you can help me. I, I have another note I don't understand. I've written down that's a big ask, Obi-Wan. Oh, is this when he's basically just saying like, will you come with him to the rebel base and give them the plans? Yes. They yeah. to get R2 to General Organa. And then looks like, no, I can't. It's like the Harvest have got responsibilities. And then Obi-Wan does like a real classic guilt move of like, he's like, you must do what you think is right, of course. <laughs> or like, or no, you, you must do what you feel is right, of course. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're doing that, are we? Yeah, he's and quite manipulative. It was a big ask. It was a big yeah. ask. Yeah, it's, it's really out of the blue. Like he's known him for like two minutes and has given him no context for anything really and he's already said that like his aunt and uncle won't like him going with him yeah and he drops the dad bomb as well does he not he drops the your dad was like this like this is the moment where you find out the dad was a great fighter or or a great pilot i think it's a pilot he says so yeah he's just dropping all sorts of stuff yeah and he says something like they won't want you following obi-wan on a damn full idealistic crusade yep 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 you know the answers in the question yeah about why why they wouldn't like it but you know on they go and they go well I mean they go because I thought he's not going to go and no. then it's only because he goes home and then yeah I've got I've got my note says grim exclamation point for Owen and Brew. yeah it's it's really grim yeah and that is the catalyst because he's nothing keeping him on Tatooine now if Beru and, mm-hmm. and, and Owen are dead so we kick start the classic hero's journey at this point he's had everything that he cares about ostensibly removed and he's got a mission and a, a wise old tutor figure 
So yeah, this is the moment where the kind of the trajectory for this character shifts. Yeah, reluctant hero. Reluctant hero, and he has a moment. You know, we get some good stuff from Hamill here. I feel like Mark Hamill gets a lot of stick for not being the best actor in the world in this movie, but I feel that's a little harsh. We get a nice sort of like, there are my barbecue aunt and uncle, and we yeah. get some rising music from John Williams in the, the sky, and he gets he kind of does the look down and then the slow. Uh, look yeah. back up with the with the face of resolve. It's all great stuff. It's all great stuff. Yeah, he 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 sees the bodies. He looks away. He like collects himself, mm-hmm. and then is he doesn't quite spend in. as much time mourning as he does for Obi Wan later in the movie. I feel like no, he, that's true. I feel like he's he takes a, for like <laughs> yeah, tw- less than twenty four hours. Like less than twenty four hours. Yeah, a couple of days max at that point. I would say yeah, if that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure of the, the amount of time that passes between uh, then and them being on the, on Darth Vader's ship, but it's it's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not sure that Owen and Beru really get much of a mention thereafter. No, they, they, that's it. He's kind of he's kind of peppy actually in in, in many ways. He's, he kind of gets over it pretty quick, and I don't know. Feel like Owen and Beru deserved a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe some anger. Maybe like. Punching mm. something or giving me, I, I don't know. He just kind of goes, right, I'm coming with you now, Ben. Or Obi-Wan. Maybe he's just a bit numb. You know, we only really see a snapshot of his of his grief process. That's true. I so mean, it could I, just be kind of like, he's like, okay, distraction, mission. Yeah. And then he's got like a lot of peril, a lot of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And maybe he was like, well, Ben knows what he's doing. He's been through these battles before. But then Ben dies, so that maybe makes him feel a bit more lost. Maybe that hits him fast. Because because he wasn't relying on his aunt and uncle at that point to like, get him through blowing up the Death Star. That's true. That's fair. I'll go. Okay. Give him some credit. I'll get trauma could have hit him a few days later. Yeah. It's all very very quick. It is very quick. Trauma. Yeah. Trauma does tend to. It's a slow burner sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. When we're all going right. through trauma. Like he. It's probably survival. It'll be a survival yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll give. I'll give him that. I'll give him a pass. Um. It's a big day for him. It's a big day. A lot, a lot has happened. A lot going on. A lot going on. Yeah. So I think at that point, do we go to the Death Star at that point where everyone is classically trained? <laughs> so yeah, we've got some, we've got a whole cadre of fantastic classically trained British actors on the Death Star. And that, yeah, that's all I really have to say about that scene, that everyone, <laughs> Peter Cushing, you know, everyone's there. Oh yeah. Doing their thing. He? He's Moff Tarkin. So he is. Yeah. Doing his thing. Giving us some some jam. Very good at being bad, isn't he? He's very good at being bad. Do you know what? Yeah. I think I'm confused about rank on the Death Star. Okay. So we know that the Galactic Empire is ostensibly a fascist regime mm-hmm. instigated and run by Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine, he, he was essentially a Jedi that went rogue, right? Or was he... Um, I feel like he was a Jedi no, he was, it was. It was kind of more the other way around. He was in the prequels. He's a pulp. He's a he's a politician. He's a politician. <laughs> he's a um, politician. <laughs> he's a politician. He's a politician. He's like Senator Palpatine. No, I just couldn't remember if it's Episode One or Episode Two that you first meet him. I think it's Episode One. Yeah. Um, and nobody really knows that he's got Sith powers. That's it. That's what I'm thinking. He's not a Jedi, but he has powers. He has, yeah, he's a Sith. Sorry, forgive me. Oh, um, nobody knows. I don't. I don't know why I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm, I feel like I'm apologising for all the like imaginary geek boys. I feel like are going to be coming at me for not knowing that right off the top. <laughs> oh, they're not imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> they're very real. That's how we'll know we've made it. Yeah. <laughs> 
or that's how we'll know that we are women on the internet exactly as if we don't need to be reminded <laughs> um so he the way he gets his power was actually quite similar to the way this is sort of bad star wars knowledge plus bad history knowledge but there's some there's a parallel i'm sure in the way that palpatine gets power and the way that um, hitler gets power because i think there was something in the like he basically declares an emergency and gets the senate to give him emergency despot level powers mm. and then he doesn't give them back um, and in that and in that process he has all of the jedi knights killed doesn't he or as a result of that process because there's a there's a having them all destroyed because the jedi knights are there to protect the senate and protect well, essentially, ostensibly protect democracy. So doesn't yeah, Emperor not have, have them all like, killed? Yeah, they're all being hunted at that point, and he has yeah. them like declared terrorists. Yeah, so he spends well, seditionists. Yeah, he really, spends like, and he spends some propaganda around that, doesn't yeah. he? It's all very like yeah. this is why it's a kind of great story. It's 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 political uprising and and story of good versus evil one hundred and one in space. Like this is it's, uh-huh. it's very familiar to us as people, but there is political process to it, which so I don't I think I realised until about a year ago. <laughs> which is why it's great. Which is why it stands the test of time, I believe. I was thinking a lot about that uh, meme that goes around uh, quite frequently, particularly in in these dark times in which we live, um, where it's basically aimed at like fascist douchebags who love Star Wars and who love who love movies like these, and it's pointing at the fact that the movies that you love are about. Re- like rising up against mm-hmm. oppression and fascism and all yeah. the things that you you support politically in your life so it's like it's a strange contradiction um and and sort of blind spot that you don't see that that's what these movies yeah. are but that's a side yeah if you if you're building a noose outside a democratic building and like walking into it with guns and and twist ties like do you think maybe you're the baddie you're the baddie <laughs> You're one of the shit stormtroopers. Well, this is the thing I've often wondered. I think these people do think they're the Rebel Alliance, which is just again another like massive cognitive dissonance. It's like you're really not. Um, I was about to say you're the shit stormtroopers, but even then, I've got kind of an opinion that stormtroopers are just like I feel like Luke could have ended up being a stormtrooper. I think stormtroopers are regular people who get sort of harvested, yeah, by the by the cause because they don't have much else. Like, or yeah, it could be like, because that's, is that not in the sequel sequels? Yeah. Um, that's kind of what Finn, that's what happened to Finn, wasn't it? It was sort it of like, is, yeah. he was without guardianship, so. And I feel like you could end up a stormtrooper if you are poor or you need to go yeah, off your shitty planet. Yeah, I feel like stormtroopers are probably comprised of a, a mix of like radicalised grunts and regular people who just need mm-hmm. Uh, crust or something to do people with limited choices yeah 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 um but again sidebar Sidebar. (laughs) my original question (laughs) my original question was rank because in that scene with peter cushing and the various other classically trained actors that are sitting around this big giant board table and 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 darth vader's kind of like hovering around menacingly behind people as they have their discussion and I sort of wonder, does like Darth Vader outrank people? Because he feels like he's hovering around, like he's behaving like muscle, like he's like a hired gun. Um, but he could also kill them all with a thought. Yeah. <laughs> but then is it like, is he like an unappointed special advisor, an unelected special advisor talking to the cabinet? Or is it like a, is it like a civil servant military thing? It's unclear, is basically what I'm getting at. <laughs> I think, I feel like he, he's like a weapon. Like, he behaves a bit like a weapon. But he also... Because he doesn't, like... 
total weapon total he is a total weapon actually <laughs> he is a total weapon and i feel like he doesn't like have he doesn't like voice many opinions he doesn't have like strategy or policy opinions to offer he's really just like yeah i'll find you later i'm really i, I want to like he's he, he, like he has a particular like yeah he's a vendetta guy he's a, he's a vendetta guy yeah so it, I, I mean that thought's not really going anywhere other than that i had it <laughs> Well, what are they talking about? And that is that the meeting where they're talking about like how well, one guy's worried that they're going to get in trouble from the Senate, and then Morf Tarkin comes in and says, "Well, you know, we don't need to worry about that anymore because they've just dissolved the Senate." And in terms of, I guess, like the grand leader saying, "Don't let the Senate make any decisions," I'm not going to like. Yeah, we could maybe draw a broad parallel. <laughs> yeah, that's got the, some. United States. Yeah, that's got some certain uh, branches of the United States government. That's got some Trumpian energy to it. My notes then jump to mad torture droids. Because it was like, does Darth Vader stay in there with her? He does, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I feel like Leia would be like, do your worst. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what they say later about because there's definitely a bit later where they're oh, she didn't we didn't get anything from the mind probe. Yes. That does get and said. Then, is it Tarkin or is it Vader because it will threaten her with the destruction of her people? I think it's Tarkin. I think it's Tarkin, Tarkin that has that idea. Yeah, he's a bad bastard. Yeah, he's he doesn't get enough credit for being a bad... Well, he probably f- does. Okay, so that brings us to some of my favourite stuff about A New Hope. Because after that, stuff. yeah, I think we arrive at um, a wretched hive of scum and villainy after yes. that. Uh, which is great fun. Lots of uh, comedy droids and CGI Jawas and things like that happening in Mos Eisley, which is great stuff. <laughs> great stuff happening everywhere. Great stuff happening everywhere. We've got the first Jedi mind trick that we really we see. Well, we've got the do. second one because we see him tricking the sand people by being scary and big, but it's the first, it's like the, these aren't the droids you're looking for a bit, which is yeah. which special part. Yeah, I have a note. Yeah, it's a very special moment, very iconic moment. And I have a note here that says, looks a bit dense, which I, I think, if I remember correctly, I think it's like after that happens, Luke is like, wow, I, I really thought we were like rumbled there. Like, what? How did they, why did they just yeah. leave us alone? And, and I'm a bit like, look, man, did you not just, I mean, you were sitting right next to Yeah. It's like, we got what happened. Yeah. Where were you? Which led me to my second note, which I think at some point, like when they're prepping to go into the bar, looks like I'm ready. And I wrote, you're not ready for shit, wee man. Like you, (laughs) you, you did not pick up what was going on at all. You are not ready for this. (laughs) He's going in there with big, I'm about to get ID'd energy for me. Like, I'm just like, look, you're not ready. Well, and he does get picked on as soon as he goes to the bar by your man with death sentences and 12 systems. That's right. The guy with the face. Um, Yeah. His mate has a sort of like he kind of looks like a, a cross between like a sex toy and a and a sort of I don't know a self care product of another variety. Like he looks like something you would like lie on if your back was sore. <laughs> I don't know if you could catch your Wait, mind. Which back. guy? The guy like uh, he doesn't like you is either. It the guy who yells at Luke, or is it the guy who says he doesn't like you? It's his the guy who doesn't like him, not the guy that points it out. <laughs> Okay. The guy who doesn't like him either. Yeah, the guy who doesn't like him either, yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure. Or maybe it's Greedo I'm thinking of. It might be Greedo I'm thinking of that looks like that. Um, yeah, because he's a bit spiky and a bit. Yeah, that's Greedo. I'm thinking of Greedo. Greedo yeah, looks like Greedo. a sex toy. <laughs> yeah, because the two guys at the bar, one of them <laughs> does look like a sex toy. He does. He does. 
Yeah, an expensive sex toy or something that you lie on if you've got muscle pain, you know, mm. and like you would roll on it. Like his face looks like something. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he doesn't like you either. You can't really see his face. Uh, what you- I feel one of them is kind of like largely furry, and then the other guy is has like a kind of strange, like giant bum chin. He does a giant bum chin. He also has like a sort of snout nose. He looks a bit like he's been in a fight. Like mm. somebody has pummeled his face and that's where he's at in life right now. Yeah. This whole scene, he doesn't like you either, walking into the bar. It really reminds me of going to, like trying to get into the nightclub in East Kilbride where I grew up when I was underage mm-hmm. and it's full of bams. And I don't know why I want to be in there, but I do. And like that's this whole scene just like it triggers me for that. That's where that's where it takes me. <laughs> so is it were, what were they the bams or are they the? Well, he doesn't like you either. Yeah, yeah, they're the bams. Like I have, I've okay. got in somehow. I've got in without getting ID'd, and I think I want to be there. And I arrive, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't want it. This is not. This is not the vibe I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's hard. So you know, Obi Wan takes it up to eleven. Like he escalates it. Yeah, like first severed arm of the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't bother me, but it, it does. It bothers me that the lightsaber doesn't cauterize the wound instantly. We see the arm and there's blood everywhere, but that's fine. It's okay. The movie was made in the 70s. I'll let them away with it. Yeah, they didn't know then. Nobody knew then how closely it would be scrutinized. No, no one knew then. Forevermore. <laughs> Forever, evermore. So yeah, at this point, I feel like Luke's probably wishing he'd gone to Tosh for those power converters. Yeah, I just waited outside with C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Um, Interestingly, we don't serve their kind in here. That's what C-3PO gets. I can't decide if mm. this is like, is it just C-3PO? Is it droids in general? Like, I feel like this could be easily interpreted as a homophobic act, um, but... <laughs> Well, is R2 there as well, isn't he? Yeah, R2 and C-3PO come in behind them together and then it's like, we don't serve their kind here, which seems odd. I don't really know why a droid would be looking for a drink, but fine. But, you know, it is Mos Eisley and up is down, left is right. He doesn't like you. It could be. Like, is it like uh, is it like race and being a robot or different things? But is it like that? Maybe is there's pre- like... Is it just prejudice against droids? Maybe it is. Maybe, uh, you know, we've touched on this now a few times. I feel like there's maybe a lot to unpack and maybe some bonus content if we ever get around to it about class dynamics and prejudice and discrimination <laughs> within the droid community. Because, I mean, it's a, it's it's a, it's what in, like, the UN human rights conventions would be, like, a, a particular characteristic or... Yeah, being a droid. Know, it, would be like, it would be an extra thing because it's, yeah. it's not gender or race or sexuality or... Species. ...political opinion. It's, yeah, it's whether or not you're have been built i don't know do we think they have do they think we do we think they have equal opportunities forms and, and discrimination acts on on tatooine or indeed in the, in the galactic empire no i suppose they don't but they it doesn't mean they don't have prejudice I, that's true and i feel like i feel like the pre-empire galactic federation were they called the galactic federation we're gonna get yelled at we're, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get yelled at <laughs> It's fine. We're, we're holding up the inevitable best part of the movie, which is the arrival of Han Solo. Handsome Solo, as I have written down in my notes. And I've just got triple underlined HFSAS, which I think means Harrison Ford sexy as fuck. I couldn't be sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what that means. He really is. He's whole demeanor. He's a devastating presence. <laughs> He's, he's, he's so beautiful. He's so handsome. He's so cool. His, yeah. <sighs> yeah. 
something that's got going on. So I have handsome Which children. Which Obi-Wan obviously picks up on because oh, yeah. he knocks him straight from uh, pay me 10000 to no, I'll pay you 17000 Yeah, Obi-Wan's digging the energy. Obi-Wan, I feel like Obi-Wan's maybe a little fluid. I, I don't know. I feel like as a younger man, you know, he'd be up for it. Um, <laughs> that's a hot take. A woeful that. omission on in the... <laughs> in the prequels yeah that is a that is the hot take you heard it here first that's the backstory i want mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's fan fiction i might look into that after we <laughs> we record this evening specific han obi-wan obi-han obi-han <laughs> obi-han yeah um if you're an obi-han stan slash ship this is the podcast for you. Uh, you can if you come. have any fan fiction you'd like to share with us, yeah. If please feel free. Obihan is we we ship Obihan here, but I should point out not not to be ageist because I'm sure like Alec Guinness is a he's a great specimen of a man in this movie. But in in my head, the Obihan ship is very much the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan. Um, I don't know how that would work. It would involve a bit of time travel. Would but... it have been like Ewan McGregor and? What's his chops from Solo? Oh, yeah. Okay, do you know what? No. We get this conversation about the Millennium Falcon and mm-hmm. the Kessel Run being made in 12 parsecs. Yes. Which I I take to mean is a good thing. It's taken to be a... Because parsec is like a... Fa- that's a famous mistake, isn't it? The parsec is taken in, as Han is talking about it, to be a unit of time. It's a unit. It's a unit of distance. It's a unit of length. Yes, used to yeah. measure you went, large You went 12 parsecs and 12 parsecs? Yeah. Great. <laughs> but that's not what they mean. And it's a different, it's a different galaxy. It was a long time ago. We don't know what it meant then. Yeah, it was very, it was very far away. Stop nitpicking. I know, right? Yeah. Oh my God, we're so boring. Um, <laughs> yes, a parsec is a unit of length used to measure the large distances to astronomical objects outside the solar system approximately equal to 3.26 light years or 206,000 astronomical units. Cool. So it's a unit of length. And uh, so just all big talk from Han, really. He's just saying things he doesn't even understand to like big himself up. Just, yeah, just saying things to be, just to impress Obi-Wan. Just to impress Obi-Wan, yeah, because he saw the little sparkle in his eye and they made a connection. Anyway... Luke's being, well, he's being scrappy-doo in this scene. He is. Um, Very scrappy. <laughs> Chewie's hair looks amazing. Sorry, we forgot to mention that Chewie has arrived. Uh, he's got like this, He's looking great. His hair. I've, I've written Chewie hair mousse because I feel like he's got this nice... Yeah, why was that not a thing? He's got, yeah, he's got this fantastically sleek bouffant thing mm-hmm. happening. Um, he looks great. Chewie looks great. Yeah. So they agree. Oh, I've also got hand shot first in exclamation, uh, in, in capital letters, yeah. an exclamation point. I've got yeah. shot first dash courteous to bar staff. Nice, nice. Because <laughs> he shoots him and then he says, sorry for the mess and needs a tip. Oh, see, that makes him even sexier, doesn't it? Like that. You know, he's done shifts before. Yeah, Tattoo. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's, he understands what it means to just make ends meet. And, you know, he hasn't always had the Millennium Falcon. No, he knows how annoying it is when people come in and have brawls and leave arms and dead bodies all over the place and don't even leave a tip. He gets it. So we approve of that. And he yeah. absolutely shot first. It really annoys me, actually. And not in a really, like, 
irritating Star Wars geek way that they edited it so that Han is not shooting first. I just think it's better storytelling to have Han shoot first. Um, yeah. So f- context for the one person who's listening, um, when Greedo, the sex toy guy, <laughs> and, and Han have a conversation about him owing Jabba money, there's like, you know, pistols drawn under the table and Han and he shoot each other. Um, but it's been re-edited to look like Han, Greedo shot shot first and Han only shot him in self-defence. But the original cut of the movie absolutely has Han drawing his gun and shooting Greedo way before. Does Greedo even shoot, shoot at him? I, you know, I, it, I, I, think, I think you're right. I don't know if he does. I would, I'll need to check. Uh, I didn't watch the, the the original cuts that your brother very kindly sent over, um, mm-hmm. but I'll need to do that because I'm fairly certain that he doesn't. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just I think it's just better. I think it's better writing and more interesting character writing to have had Han shoot first because it's exactly what mm-hmm. he would do. He's a space pirate who probably finds himself having to remove himself from sticky situations. Yeah, I think quite he's often. he's in a he's in a him or me situation before you know already. Yeah, Rodrigo's not. He, he kind of hints that he might be let off with a bribe. Yeah, but Han doesn't have any money right now. It's just weak sauce to me. Um, it's just it's just weak. It was and just, I don't like it. It was. It's. I wonder if. Yeah, it sounds like maybe George Lucas went away and overthought it a wee bit. Yeah, and worried about you know, and also like Han Solo is a flawed character. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he would be you know not entirely pistols at dawn level cavalier. Yeah, That's he's the thing. Like he's not. He's not going to think like, twice about honor it. over everything else. Yeah. No, like he doesn't. I mean, I don't really think it's been established that he has a vast amount of order, um, honor, or you know, no. it's not like it's not like he exists in a world where that is very good for your survival. Like I feel yeah. like he's kind of yeah, he's got a conscience as we find out, but later, yeah. but that's different from having like a code. Yeah. So I'm not here for it. I think it was a stupid edit. It undercuts the character mm-hmm. and his journey, but mm-hmm. hey, here we are. Uh, speaking of bad decisions, I think then we go to the CGI job. Yeah, and then they have they have like the exact same conversation. It's almost yep. like it's, word for word bits of it are exactly what he's just said to Greedo. Yeah, it's really poor. It's it's shite. And yeah, it, you're exactly right. It's just repeating what the movie has already given us. So what George Lucas is doing is sacrificing economical storytelling to play with computers. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. Which which was a major problem in the prequels. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I, in fairness so to him, I did read somewhere that the original draft of A New Hope had a, had Jabba in it, but the technology at the time didn't exist for them to do it in a way that looked good. So in fairness to the guy, going back and doing an edit that he perceived as being closer to the film he wanted to make at the time is fair enough, except for the fact, like you rightly point out, it. I feel like it, even if they could have done it, I feel like that's a scene that would have made it onto the cutting room floor anyway because like, it is just repeating information that we just yeah. got. Um, yeah, it would almost be like, if you really, really wanted to do that, you'd have to take out Greedo. Yeah, which is... I Which I don't about, think anyone would have stood for at that point. Yeah, it's a better scene. It's also more interesting for Jabba to be this figure that mm-hmm. we know Han is beholden to, but we haven't met yet. We don't know who or what Jabba is. I feel like yeah, that would be like, more interesting. 
Yeah, and the fact that Greedo is out looking for him, and so it kind of introduces you quite early to the fact that there are people out looking for Han. Yeah, so it's giving you what like it's giving you what you need to know about Han, and that is all at this point that we want, I think. Yeah, his financial motivations yeah. are urgent. Also, the other thing I don't really like about it is that as much as the technology was somewhat capable of delivering it, it still looks a bit weak and a bit lame. And I feel like it fucks with Jabba's scale. And by that, I mean, like, he looks, his size keeps kind of shifting, like how big he is keeps sort of being shifted. And then if you if you then compare the Jabba we see in A New Hope with when we get introduced to him properly as a puppet, he's massive. He's huge. He's this, like big ass thing which yeah. is not the same as the Jabba we yeah, see like dwarfs Leia which next to yeah you're right and I think it's, it's something about as well like that now being old technology and it's so much more jarring than the original old effects yeah which is which is really just like Muppets and model spaceships and you know old Muppets and model spaceships to me are always more effective than CGI yeah I just like Muppet Jabba is just better than CGI Jabba because he's yeah. there. He's big and he's gross and he's there. I mean, he's obviously a puppet, kind of, but like, come on. But by that, I think also by that point in the series, you're very used to. I mean, that is the Jim Henson film of the three. Yeah, because we don't we don't get any real Jim Henson activity. We've got Yoda like. too. We've got Yoda. Yeah, who's voiced by Frank Oz, who voices yeah. Grover. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. Um, the only thing I like is that Han steps on Jabba's tail. Or he like steps on him, he walks over him, and that's quite funny to me. Um, yeah. And then Boba Fett is there for reasons. He's just yeah. there, and he spikes the camera, like he looks at the camera in a real like, "Hey guys," kind of way, and it's stupid. It's just what stupid. You- yeah, we d- I don't know how you feel about it, but I had basically in the same lines. I've written Jabba Han scene, wonderful human being. Han, Han says, "You're a wonderful. Human <laughs> You're a wonderful being. human being." Like, that shade is it because he's li- he's a space slug, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's shade. Is he is he like appealing to the humanity within? Yeah, it was just like what? And then I said literally same convo he had with Greedo. What does it add? That was my note. Yeah, and then after that, my note says yeah. Leia's accent. Lol. <laughs> she talks about that in her book. She's like, I don't know why we had to be serious and calm. I would use like a British accent, <laughs> and then when she's being when she's like giving back talk, she's American. It's amazing. I love it. Um, so Carrie Fisher didn't know why she was doing that either and I love that like because like this is her first big film right like or was this her like first ever film I can't remember it wasn't her first ever one she had been she'd done a couple things um she'd been in one I think called Shampoo with Warren Beatty and then she reads for this one because it feels (laughs) the reason I ask is like I mean I feel like this is maybe not as applicable to Carrie Fisher because she comes from like a Hollywood dynasty of a family Mm -hmm. but there's something that reads like nervousness or like the nervousness of being on a big set in a in a park for the first time and just like making a random choice or making it or not making a big enough choice or like just kind of like doing something because you're like I don't know and that I I relate to that a little bit and I just feel like (laughs) That's 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 just how I interpret it. Like just kind of going, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like need to pretend that I know what I'm doing so I don't get found out. So I'll just put on a British accent. <laughs> so she she like auditioned for it and everything, but it was this like little production. They were all in London. She was away from home. She was staying in her pal's flat in Kensington, 
and they were all just milling about but she just kind of she talks a lot about how she was quite intimidated by at the start Harrison Ford and um George Lucas as well she's like he was just very quiet and doesn't say a lot and he didn't give her a whole ton of direction so there's a scene one of her first scenes is when she's talking to Moff Tarkin after she's been mind probed and she says something like I thought I recognized your foul stench oh yes when I, I came I on board foul stench when I came on board yeah. yeah, but she kind of ad-libbed some sort of really sassy, tough girl American vibe with it. And it, like George Lucas pulled her aside and was just like, she's really worried about all of her friends. Like she's not necessarily going to be flying off the handle at him quite yet. And then it seemed to be British, but she's very like, I, I was British. I don't know why. <laughs> it's great. It really is great because it's so noticeable and then it doesn't happen again. And yeah. I love it. Uh, I, I feel for her as a young actor um, with that happening. I'm so glad you did all your homework. This is great stuff. I mean, this scene is pretty grim as well because her planet gets blown up. Yeah. So that's shit. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Alderaan gets blown up and Obi-Wan feels it. Yeah. That's what happens. So we cut back to the Millennium Falcon and Obi-Wan's like, he's giving it all like, oh, he has a wee seat. He yeah, has the, a wee seat. Um, yeah. Disturbance in the force. Disturbance in the force. Uh, yeah. A thousand or a million voices suddenly crying out in terror and then suddenly silenced or whatever it is he says. Yeah. And uh, Luke's playing with his like, I don't know what that is, like a boppet that can fly. Yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, but just going back to Leia for a sec, she has withstood that mind probe, presumably really unpleasant thing that she does with Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And then they threaten her with the destruction of her planet. So she still gives them the wrong information. She does, yeah. The presence of mind to be like, well, just in case. She's quick. She is quick. She has got the energy of someone who has prepared for this, who is like aware of the tactics that the Empire will deploy and just how Mm -hmm. dangerous they are. Like she's got the energy of someone who... I have briefed myself on what might happen if I am taken by the enemy. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very, it's very badass. And she withstands it and she does it, still doesn't give them what they want. She's great. She is great. And she's so beautiful. I'm just like, you know, so Carrie beautiful. Fisher in this movie is just, she's just gorgeous. Do you know, she was told, so I knew that she had been told before I read her book, I knew she'd been told to drop 10 pounds. Oh, for that the old chestnut. What I didn't know was that she she did not do it. Oh. So like one of the reasons she's on the back foot when she gets onto the thing, I have definitely folded this one down, I think it's the one first one I folded down, was that she she was told to lose £10 and her mother recommended a fat farm in Texas. They're like, like, I think that's what it was actually called at the time. It was just like a, it was like a week or something. So she hadn't, so she, like, she's like, when we started filming, I tried to keep myself well under the radar so that the powers that be wouldn't notice that I hadn't lost the weight that they'd asked me to. Um, so then, it, so, and nobody ever, like, she doesn't know anybody at any point ever mentioning he didn't lose that weight. So then it was like, was it just a power move? Do they just say that to actresses? Ugh, you know what? We talk about this a lot, you know, well, it's, I talk at you a lot <laughs> about this. But that, that's okay. It's so interesting because my first question before you essentially answered it was, I wonder if they even fucking would notice. Like, if they, like, they, they would yeah. say it to her up front, out the gate. 
But then if she arrived on set, it was like, yeah, no, here I am, ready to go in the way that you told me to be ready, which, yeah, does then present the question, is it all just a fucking power move? Yeah. I mean, I think yes that. and I think yes and no. I think there is still a very fucked up perception of what size you are meant to be, to be considered mm-hmm. viable to be in front of a camera. You know, I've told you that story before about being told at an audition in New York that I was a fat actress. <laughs> and I was, yes. at that time, I was a size 10, I think, at that time. At most, 12. So yeah, it doesn't like, and you know, seeing her on screen, she's so tiny. She's like petite. She's this little thing. So actually it's quite frightening to learn that she didn't like, that's what, that was what the version of her that was told to lose weight. Yeah. Like, yes, that was not the, that was not the smaller version. Which is utterly terrifying. And you know, that is what's so admirable and amazing about Carrie Fisher, because in so many ways she you know, right up until her very, very, like, far too soon and awful leaving us, um, seemed in many ways not as affected by that Hollywood machine as so many people are. Like, she just, she just maintained this fuck you energy right up until the end, which I think is the reason why so many of us love her. Yeah. Which is not to say that it didn't affect her mental health at the time. I'm sure it did. She she definitely comes across as... She's like faking until she makes the badassness. Like she's sort of she she is carrying herself in such a way, but she's like deeply insecure. Really, just wants everybody to like her. Doesn't think she's beautiful. That classic. Like I think I I hope every nineteen year old woman who hasn't thought she's beautiful has been able to look at herself with kinder eyes later on. Because mm. I'm sure that well, I certainly did the same when I was nineteen. Had like body insecurities, insecurities about like absolutely everything from head to toe. And now when I look back at pictures of myself when I'm nineteen, I'm just like well, you're lovely. Oh my god, that's all. I, I know. That's all people are. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it. You know, I look back at pictures of myself when I was 19 and I'm like, what were you like? Yeah, I was like, what was your problem? What was your problem? Like, I would give anything to be that 19 year old girl. (laughs) Have her skin, her dress size. Jesus. Um, But yeah. Yeah. This is that lingering patriarchal programming we mentioned at the top of the program at the top of the podcast this is this is what it is yes and i'm sure we will continue to do this as well i'm sure we'll look at our mid 30s selves when we're in our 50s and think what were they so worried about yeah you were far too hard on her is what i would say to my yeah. 35 year old self but she's she's great my notes after this don't get they they don't make uh, so much sense other than i've got luke was real quick to believe i think that's in reference well, the to force. the force, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's on board right away. Like he's he's in. It's been like what eight hours. Yeah, he's in. That's you know, I'm just saying. I suppose he's seen he's seen a couple of demonstrations at that point. Yeah, although one of them he didn't notice it was happening right in front yeah. of him. He didn't even notice it. Time. Time, didn't he? <laughs> anyway, but lightsabers are cool. Lightsabers so. are cool, and there's a princess to rescue. I mean, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I guess he has the thing of like his dad. If it was his dad's lightsaber, then it's like, well, that's my, that's my religion. That's my. Religion. Oh yeah, his dad's lightsaber. That's yeah, which he said, which Obi Wan says to him, "Your dad wanted you to have this." No, he didn't. That's a lie. But we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He dropped it after it cut off his arms and legs <laughs> and melted him in a volcano uh, <laughs> or in some lava. I can't remember if it was a, a volcano, but yeah, um, we'll get there. <laughs> 
Uh, what else did I say? I said, what's the end of that sentence, boss? Question mark. Don't know what that means. So we might have to just skip over it. Sentence. Oh, is that when, no, oh, I think I know what that is. Is that when um, Darth Vader's like tugging on someone's coat about something and then he says, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel a presence, a presence I haven't felt since. And then he like spins And then he spins in his heels. And, yeah, that, that'll be what it is. Because the note after that is, does he do this a lot? <laughs> so that must... <laughs> Because nobody really reacts. Yeah. And I think I had an image in my head of like the intern or the new guy and then like, um, what, uh, does like, do you want to know? Are we going to get force choked if we didn't get that at the end of that? Yeah. Like, is there going to be an email? I, I don't, I didn't get that. That's exactly what it is. Thank you, Jackie. (laughs) And then I've got another stormtroopers of shit. This is so, when they get really shit. They, they, it's like they all their best marksmen were on the... The, tan, the Tantif? Yeah, that's where all their best yeah. marksmen And they all got shot, so... Um, yeah. Or the majority of them did. I've also got, how's Alec getting out? That's it. Uh, yeah, so you know the little trick they pull to hide from the guards and the stormtroopers who come in to search the Millennium Falcon? They've hidden in the... I don't know. Smuggle bits. Smuggle bits, yeah. It's like they've put Alec Guinness in this little trap. And you can Aww, see him like starting yeah. to do the little like I'm gonna like make moves as if I could get out of this by myself, but he clearly can't. Like there's yeah. definitely been a cut right now. We need to get Alex out of there, kind of thing. Yeah. That has no like intellectual point other than I thought it was kind of funny and a little sad. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but that's that's pretty funny for Alex. For Alex. My notes get very sporadic at this point. I know there's yeah, a lot well. a lot more happens, but I've got they're going to execute her. And then I've written, look, a few minutes ago, you didn't want to just wait here and be captured. Now all you want to do is stay. And I've written it down to run together. I feel like what I might do at this point in the edit is get it actually played on the podcast because no one has said a line or set of words faster in any context or any film <laughs> than Mark Hamill says these words. They're going to execute her. Look, a few minutes ago, you said you didn't want to just wait here to be captured. Now all you want to do is stay. God, that is so fast, isn't it? It's it's astonishing the speed with which he says these words. He runs them all together, and it's just like you said you didn't want to just wait here to be captured. Now all you want to do is stay. It's brilliant. He is very upset at that point. He is, but it's very funny. So we get into the sort of action-packed section of the movie at this point. For some reason, I don't know why, but at this point in my notes, I've written the amount of screen time Leia has in this movie, and it's thirteen minutes thirty seconds outrageous which is outrageous um but she is third i don't know if that makes a huge difference probably does when actually when you think about it the other three principal characters are all together for the majority of it so it's not it's not horrendous when you consider that she was captured for a big portion of the movie um yeah and i think also like i know that george lucas gets a lot of flack particularly for kind of like going back and making changes and stuff but i think he does deserve some credit for like a significant amount of credit for like in the 70s having written this like strong three-dimensional woman into his script who has layers she is not there to be a love interest no and and she has status like right away mm-hmm. although the sort of journey that we've been going on so far in this movie has been presented as a sort of standard rescue the princess thing Mm -hmm. formula like it this is at this point in the movie that turns on its head pretty quick because luke barges in and is like we've come to rescue you and she gives her the whole you're a little short to be a stormtrooper sassy little like 
like how cool and sexy I am. And then yeah. she's straight on her feet and leading the charge after that. But she's, yeah. she's never, there's never a point at where I feel like Leia is low status in this no. at any point. Well, also, like, first, because they're kind of rescuing her because there's the opportunity to, because they weren't going to go on to the Star Destroyer. No. It was just because they got pulled in by the tractor beam and then they realized she was there. But she also, like, when she doesn't think that it's going very well, it's her that, like, takes Luke's blaster and blasts the hole in the garbage compactor Mm -hmm. and jumps in. She's like, this isn't going well, I'm out of here. And arguably that wasn't the best decision ever. But there was also, I think there was an element of they were kind of cornered where they were. Yeah, she was making decisions, you know. Yeah. And, okay, fine, the trash compactor didn't work out so great, but at least she made a decision. She didn't just keep them in the in the line of fire so yeah they, they were being shot at and they didn't really have anywhere to go so it was like well yeah it's like they couldn't stay there i've got sexy black gimp droids written down as i think you were aware because i think you saw I the picture of my notes that, um, but which who was that i don't know but she's she's there i don't know why she's a she i, I just got that energy from her um she, she's just very there like she's noticeably there she has a little walk past Mm-hmm. and I'm just like that's that's a big choice like that is that what she's there for is that her function I don't know but she's you know, there I want to google it but I don't know what to google I mean sexy black gimp droid will give you a result I just don't know if I will it will get, be a result I'm sure many results yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is not the results you're looking for um, black droid a new hope well it comes up with immediately with the mouse droid I don't think that's who you mean oh the little toaster thing yeah. It's a Roomba. <laughs> There's Roombas on the Death Star. Yeah, it's plucky. Mm-hmm. What have I put in sexy? While you're Googling that, I have a question written down. Is How does Luke know he's on the detention level? Like, I feel like everybody has arrived on this ship feeling pretty confident about things like location and yeah. how things work. Like, they don't ever feel like a bit... Like, I never, I never get, like where the fuck are we how what what's what is this place yeah apart from them. Um, when they're escaping and they end up across that chasm and it like, must have taken a wrong turn it's like but how do you know speaking of the chasm what is with alec guinness giving us like like old ghost energy he just float like for 30 minutes of this movie while they're off rescuing leah he just floats around and like sneaks behind things and like turn, turns levers, pulls levers. What's that? He's trying to turn off the tractor beam. Oh, is that what he's doing? I did not yeah, get because that. Yeah, because uh, they're talking about um, trying to escape when they're before any of them have left the Falcon. They're talking about trying to escape. And Han says, like, well, even if we could get away, we'd still get pulled in by the tractor beam. And Obi-Wan says, leave that to me. And Han oh, says, yes. needlessly snide, like, I had a feeling you were going to say something like that. That's right. You're right. You were paying far more attention than I, I was. Yeah. He just he just floats just, around for 30 minutes. Yeah, he, yeah he, does, he does a lot of, like, sneaking. He's, he's sneaky, and then he goes, he does, that's, like, all of his, like, little things he's pushing down. That's the tractor beam coming down. And... Then he's just he's just creeping around like a villain yeah, then, in a British mm-hmm. Victorian melodrama. Like that is what he's doing, <laughs> and it's weird. Um, and then do you know? Like I suppose you could surmise that if Darth Vader feels his presence, he also feels Darth Vader's presence. So he probably maybe he knows as soon as he gets in the ship, there's going to be some sort of showdown, an altercation of sorts. 
yeah, because you never never get the impression that he has any particular expectation of making it back to the ship. No. Well, I mean, what I have written down is Alec Guinness has big paycheck energy, um, but I feel like that's just. <laughs> Is he not the only one who asked for profit proceeds? Yes, he. I think he is. Yeah, he is the only one that did, and um, it shows. <laughs> yeah, I just remembered something. Hold on, I've got this book, Letters of Note. Have you seen this book? I have not. It's a really good coffee table book that Sean Usher compiled. Great letters from history, like prime ministers, royalty, writers. And I'm sure there's one in here that is Alec Guinness, like, writing to his pal, telling him about this weird movie he's in. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the intro into it is when Alec Guinness wrote this letter to his dear friend, Anne Kaufman, in April 1976, he spoke so enthusiastically about his new play, Yahoo. <laughs> so he says, like, my dear Anne, the sun has shone all over Easter and that has meant out-of-door life, bees humming in the cherry blossom, very, like, nice flowery language. So he says, I've returned to London this evening for my stint at the studio for the rest of the week. Can't say I'm enjoying the film. A new rubbish dialogue reaches me every other day on wadges of pink paper, and none of it makes my character clear or even bearable. I just think thankfully of the lovely bread, which will keep, which will help keep me going until next April, even if Yahoo collapses in a week. Yahoo is the play and it was very excited about. Mm. The way he signs off his letter, <laughs> I must off to studio and work with the dwarf and your fellow countrymen Mark Hamill and Tennyson. That can't be right. Ford Ellison, no. Well, a rangy, languid young man who's probably intelligent and amusing, but oh God, God, they make me feel 90 and treat oh. me as if I was 106. Love, Alec. Star, Harrison Ford. Ever heard of him? That's amazing. <laughs> what did he call Harrison Ford? A, a languid, what was it? A, range, a, a rangy, languid young man who's probably intelligent and amusing. I like that. That's incredible. Oh, I mean, in fairness to Sir Alec, I mean, he he was a thespian of the highest order. So like this probably yes. was a little far removed from what he, you know, was used to. And yeah, he does. There's paycheck energy oozing off of him. And there you go. It's right there. Yeah, like very, it's like quite a long letter. Like the letter handwritten is like four pages. Yeah, it's, it's mostly chatting about this play Yahoo. I'm going to look that up later. Um, I feel like I, at this point I'm remembering, wasn't this Harrison Ford's big break? Like Harrison Ford was in American Graffiti, which was George Lucas's early film. Right. And the, but but he, like George Lucas was determined not to cast anyone from American Graffiti in Star Wars because he didn't want people to think it was just American Graffiti in space. Mm. So uh, Fred Ruse, the casting director, basically like orchestrated it so that Harrison Ford being a carpenter was hired to build a door in, uh, in the offices in which Lucas was a re- had arranged the casting call for Star Wars and then like facilitated it as like a serendipitous encounter. That's how it happened right. apparently. And then like that's this casting director just basically manipulated the situation to get Harrison Ford an audition. Um, right. Well, well done, Fred. There we go. Fred Ruse. Somebody ruined the day and it was Fred. Um, yeah. Where are we now? Okay, so... Yeah. Alec Guinness is floating around the Death Star with his big paycheck energy. Yeah. Um, the lads are in the trash compactor. They're in the trash compactor. They get out. 
all of the you know it's like all when they when they're coming upon the falcon like all of the stormtroopers just like leave guarding the falcon and just to go and watch the fight <laughs> yeah they go yeah they go basically go to skeg a fight like a bunch of bats <laughs> <laughs> like yeah obviously do absolutely nothing to help no they watching. just run over to look okay so yeah then we get the whole you've met your match you know when mm. we started i was but a student now i am blah 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 and then he does his Houdini. Obi Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. does his disappearing act. Mm-hmm. Luke is very upset. It's like, yeah, he has a moment. He's more upset about Obi Wan than he is about his aunt and uncle. It's an easier grief to work through, even a little bit at the time. And then the last act of the movie takes place on Yavin. Is that right? Yeah. We basically, yeah. go and yeah, we find the rebel base. Leia, Leia really comes into her own as a leader. She's mm-hmm. like, she's there. She knows everyone. I have got the weirdest note. They're the best ones. I've written down, like, me moving towards the fridge. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing in my head it was hilarious at the time. Um, (laughs) I can't think what that would be. No. I would also not want to make any comment on... Me moving towards the fridge. Yeah, the the speed, manner, frequency at which she moves towards (laughs) the fridge, because you can do that as much and as quickly as you like. Or slowly, yeah. Like I, could, slowly. I, could, I could amble towards the fridge. I can run towards yeah. the fridge. I do both of these. just depends on yeah. my mood. Yeah. Um, and I've got, honestly, Jackie, I'm just going to read you the, some of these notes and I'm going to leave it up to you to interpret them. I've got Yavin, like me moving towards the fridge. Wouldn't that fuck something up? Question mark. Wob rats. He's got to follow his own path. I <laughs> just like... Leah says to look... I think I think Leah says that to Luke about Han, he has to follow his own path. That's true. Because he's sad. Luke's sad that Han's left. Luke's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Leah's being super, like, Gives super him tuned kiss. in. Yeah. Gives him yeah. a kiss on his cheek that gives him up. I've also written down, if the Rebel Alliance is made up of people from disenfranchised outer rim planets, should it not be more diverse? Question mark. Because it's, it's very white, isn't it? Super white. It's very white human. Very white human, which is fascinating considering, like, you know, having given a, been given a glimpse of Moss Eisley, we know that this this galaxy is not exactly, like, human-centric. Or not, or, or maybe it is. Maybe it is a little human-centric and that's that's why they find themselves in the mess that they're in. Who knows? Because mm-hmm. also, if you look at, like, a lot of the troublemakers are... A lot of the big... All the big actors, like, all the big players are human. Um, so maybe we could... So going back to the class issue, maybe humans are for some reason privileged. Yeah, I've got written down here, House of Organa, the benevolent rich white people. Mm. Which And it's like, well, and also like if you've had if you have to go to if you have to go to university to learn how to fly, then that is gonna be well certain certain flying jobs are gonna be quite elite, aren't they? It's gonna be quite an elitist, maybe a historically elitist field. Yeah. And then when we're so if we're seeing like the upper ranks of the rebellion and their air force, maybe that's why they're a lot, of, maybe that's why it's human heavy. It's also like the empire, from what we've seen of it, is all very posh, white, yeah. British people. So I don't know what that says, but it says something. There's something there for interpretation. Anyway, it's all very exciting. We're kind of streaming towards the end here, I feel, because like my notes get really like... Well, then it's just battles. And I feel like, I don't know if like we're going to get in trouble from boys for not talking about it very much or girls women mm-hmm. men people of all stripes um yeah fans who really like the battle the, the there's nothing wrong with the battle it was just there's no. not it's 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 a means to an end of blowing up the death star yeah and in the context of a podcast i mean what is there to say 
it happens not very much i think like the only maybe only a couple is like does biggs die i looks lovely pal that we bumped into is he he's died i think i can't um, i don't know i think he does I think he might be right. almost all of them die and darth vader is chasing luke and says the force is strong with this one which mm-hmm. we don't really know about Luke yet. There's not a lot of. It's like he can learn a bit, and so, he, well, he does use the force to like hit the target. He, he does, so or at the very least, he was like told to sort of just let go and you yeah, know, trust his feelings. He does say to somebody um, in the meeting earlier, the strategy meeting, that targeting this little like exhaust pipe, this little exposed exhaust pipe or whatever it is, would just be like shooting womp rats back at his home planet. Yeah. So it's like a little like, you know, trust yourself, believe in yourself, it's going to be fine kind of yeah. thing going on there. Yeah, so there's some stuff happens, lots of people die. John Williams really comes into his own here, I feel. Yeah, um, very, very good. We get some of that good score action. I also have like, oh, I just love seeing them all together and they're so cute written down. They're lovely. Which I think is in reference to when Luke gets back and they all have a cuddle and it's all real nice and I just like I just I believe everything that they're giving me and then they walk away with their arms around each other I just like it's it's great yeah it is nice and then I think then I think after that we come we go straight into everybody's glow up for the uh for the award ceremony the award ceremony do we feel like Han should have got as much credit as Luke I felt like they got the same amount of credit um I feel like in the point of view of the old, the, whole, the overarching uh, situation, like I feel like he's getting credit for also contributing to getting Leia off the Death Star. Yeah, and getting the plans. Over. Yeah, I feel like he's, yeah, I feel like he's part of, he's being rewarded for his contribution across the, this arc, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Beyond the battle. Because Luke could have got shot if he hadn't come back with me. Yeah, he he had a change of heart and he came back and he came back at exactly the right moment. So yeah, I feel like I feel like if anyone um, is not getting enough credit, it's Chewie. Chewie gets shafted. He doesn't get that. <laughs> is this again? We're seeing human privilege. I think it is. Yeah, I think there's um, speciesism. There's speciesism. There's classism. There's droidism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's yeah, a lot, there's a lot on. of issues. Yeah. Because they have them there, which feels very tokenistic. They're like, you can be there, but we're not going to give you a medal because we don't give you we don't give your type medals. So you're not going to yeah. get one, um, even though you risked your life and were in it just as much as the rest of us. Um, mm-hmm. No medals for you. Because he doesn't mouth off all the time. Yeah. So I like Luke's wee gold bomber jacket. I quite like one. I do, and I've written down, "Excuse me, Miss Leah," because she just looks sensational. With the hair and the the long flowing gown and the jewels, she just looks outstanding. So still, still got her lip gloss on point to the her end, to yeah. last. Yep, lip gloss on point. She's got a nice little dusky pink eye moment happening. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all good. It's uh, tense across the board for me. Um, and also, uh, I feel like we have not mentioned. Will somebody get this walking carpet out of my way? Um, mm. I wrote down but didn't flag the note. Leah is so sassy and smart. Because she is. Yeah, so that's my notes. Those are my notes. I had a great time. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, This was the first time I've watched this film knowing that this was the 
period in time when Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford were sleeping together. Okay. What What's the age difference between them at this point? So she, she's 19 and he's 33. Ugh. Don't love um, it. And he's, mm, yeah. You don't, at, at no point in the book is it um, implied that she wasn't like very willing. Oh, like, no, she I liked like. She yeah. really liked him. I mean, well, he's yeah. Harrison Ford. Um, yes. I am the last person to judge anybody on decisions around that, but I do have a just kind of like, yeah. but having said that, there's, you know, she's, she was 19. She was perfectly capable of making her own decisions. But it's tricky. It's tricky when you think of women that young, because on one hand, they deserve protection, but then at what point do you stop infantilizing adult consenting women? Exactly. Make their own mistakes. And if you're going to make a mistake, make it with Harrison Ford. Absolutely. Here, here. <laughs> Cheers to that. Yeah. That is a great note to wrap up, I feel. Like, I don't feel like you could have um, better summarized uh, my thoughts on the matter <laughs> at his like, most beautiful peak my final thoughts are generally that I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more than I anticipated I feel like I had it in my head that A New Hope was the weakest yeah. of the trilogy and also the one that feels most dated but actually I disagree with my former self on both of those assessments mm-hmm. I had a great time I'm looking forward to delving into the other ones as and when we do that and yeah I maintain that these are great films um, great films great characters yeah they hold the same amount of um, fun and whimsy and wonder for me now as as they ever did also fun to go back like Carrie Fisher was heavily uh, present in our chat but of course she was because we both adore her but like looking back at it now as a 36 year old woman I'm like much more appreciative of her and everything that she stood for in these movies as well as everything she stood for as an actor and an advocate and a person Um, yeah so yeah and she was and it was an amazing role for there to be at that time Mm -hmm. just to have her there I think and, and I do think that yeah and to have her there in the way that she was there like she's so uh-huh. not passive like yes you know being captured for 40 minutes of the movie in the first one notwithstanding she's not a passive character at all and she's wise and she's young and um has all this responsibility uh, and and very very like firm in her convictions and what she believes in and it's just like she's great she's a fantastic role model um, yeah. which i know is a very and, and I- trite phrase but yeah no, but she is. And then when you also consider that she and Luke are twins mm-hmm. um, and he's constantly referred to as like kid, boy, like you're so young. Like there's so much, so many references to his age, whereas nobody does that for Leia. There's no comment yeah. in her age. She's just, she's just great. She's just great. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> It's a great, it's a great movie. A lot, there's a lot more plot in it than I remembered there being. There is, yeah, a lot of setting up, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. It also made me want to go on holiday, but then everything. <laughs> okay, so that was episode one of I'll Have What She's podcasting. Yay! Yay! We did it. <laughs> My name is Louise Oliver, and I am Jackie Farmer, and we are your hosts of this podcast. This was our first episode, so we are just figuring it out. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we intend this to be a fun deep dive into the films and pop culture that we love. And yep. we started with Star Wars. So thank you Why for not? being here. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, you yes. can follow us on Twitter at She's Podcasting. As of this point in time, we have 16 followers, which is very exciting. 
No bots. No bots. Not a single bot. So yeah, we hope you liked it. Please, uh, if you liked it, please rate it. Please subscribe. Please share it. Um, helps people find the podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. That was I'll Have What She's Podcasting. Thanks to Chris Gorman for the edit and the sound design. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She's Podcasting. If you liked this, you might also enjoy our sister podcast, Persistent and Nasty, which is all about amplifying marginalised voices in film and theatre. Thanks for listening and see you next time.